Well, you know, uh, over the last month, what we saw was yes. the parliament enacting uh, law number four of 2024, which essentially sought to prom- postpone the election. That was followed by a proclamation issued by the president, President Matisau, purportedly postponing the election to 15 December 2024. Okay. And this was in contravention of Article 31 of the Senegalese Constitution. But the Constitutional Council of uh, Senegal, the, yes. on the 15th of February 2024, declared law number four of 2024, yes. which had sought to postpone the presidential election uh, uh, in contravention of the Constitution and therefore invalid. It also declared that the presidential decree Uh, that was based on that law or was uh, seeking to postpone the election uh, would be announced. Uh, Senegalese President Macky Sall is facing increased pressure over his decision to purport to postpone the elections. Senegal's constitutional court says this law is unconstitutional and election should go on as earlier planned. This move has triggered the country to pockets of protests and marks a step back for a country that once boasted of her democratic credentials. What should one make of the happenings in that West African country? And most importantly, what does it tell us about the state of democracy world over? My name is Theo Mong, and I spoke to Brian Kegoro, Managing Director with the Open Society Foundations, on this episode of Nation Reports. We see that Senegal operates under some sort of semi-presidential system where b- both the president and the prime minister hold significant powers to, an ex- to some extent. So we see that the president is the head of state and is elected by popular vote, usually a five-year term, like uh, which is a five-year term. And Macky Sall has been serving as the president of Senegal since April 2012 after uh, he won the presidential elections. So he was re-elected for a second term in February of 2019 and um, his presidency has sort of focused on economic development, infrastructure projects here and there, and uh, social reforms. But considering the, the political situation uh, that is happening now, do you think President Macky Sall is going to leave office? I have good reason to believe that on the basis of the long-standing Senegalese tradition, yes. Uh, a tradition that he is beneficiary of. You remember that President Abdullahi Wad yeah. almost sought a third term, and a movement of young people called Yanama yes. arose uh, resisting uh, this third term attempt. Yeah. President Wad uh, stood aside, yeah. uh, which enabled President Macky Sall Okay. Uh, to come to power. There was a letter jointly issued by President Watt and Abdul Juf, the former the president before uh, um, so, President Watt. Yeah. They have publicly encouraged President Sparkisau to do better than they did. Yes. Uh, by upholding this tradition. My own suspicion is the groundswell, the public discontent, the growing popularity Uh, of oppositional forces uh, impelled in part by what they see as an attempt to capture the state by Anjouni, yes, uh, will force uh, 
President Makisal if he intends to preserve his legacy. Yes, to step down. To, to allow to step down. Okay, but Senegal has a history of, in terms of the elections, Senegal has a history of holding regular elections, including the presidential, legislative, and also for the local elections, yeah? So these elections are generally considered free and fair by most international observers, although there have been occasional allegations here and there of election irregularities and malpractices. So how does Senegal move on from this? And how do we know when elections can even be, be held at this stage? The most urgent business in Senegal at the moment is to ensure that the state has adequate financing to hold the elections. Okay. The second most urgent uh, business is to ensure that the voters' role uh, is uh, credible and acceptable to the contesting parties. Okay. This will require support from ECOWAS, yeah. and the Union and the broader international community. Okay, so despite its democratic achievements, we see that Senegal faces challenges which are common to many African democracies, which include issues such as corruption, economic inequality, youth unemployment, political patronage. So critics commonly argue that the Senegalese presidency holds significant power, which can lead to an imbalance in the separation of powers and limit the effectiveness of checks and balances within the government. Is what's happening in Senegal a reflection on democracy slide in the continent and the entire world, do you think? I think that what's happening in Senegal is forcing all of us to reimagine uh, uh, the future of democracy or democratic futures. Yes. Liberal democracy assumed that it would function exclusively on the basis of representation. Okay. And that representation has increasingly become skewed because those who are able to offer themselves as candidates and yeah. to stand in elections have inexorably become those who have access to money okay. to resources. Yes. This has adversely impacted in particular those who come from minority communities or who from poor backgrounds. Yes. And also young people who do not have access to resources, to largesse of the state, because they are unemployed. Yes. So in essence, representation has ceased to be related to the ability of people to approximate, to fulfill the desires of the majority. Okay. It has been reduced in most African countries to the ability to purchase the power to speak on behalf of poor people or the ability to buy favors within elite circles, including political parties, because you have money yes. or you belong to a particular inner circle. Okay. In essence, the free, fair, and regular elections no longer measure the quality of democracy. Yes. Uh, this is compelling Africans to measure the quality of democracy using extra measures, not just meritocracy, but the measure of the ability of a democratic system, not just democracy, yeah. in a liberal sense, to deliver dividends that are social, that are economic, that are ecological. I've heard you bring out the issue on elections, and we see that more than a dozen African countries are, are going to polls this year. And we understand that elections in most African countries, they vary 
widely in terms of their processes, in terms of their contexts, in terms of their outcome, due to the diverse political landscapes that we have across the continent. Um, mm-hmm. Africa, perspective, is home to various forms of government, including democracies, we have autocracies, we also have some uh, existing hybrid systems. Some countries have stable democratic institutions and regular elections, while others face challenges due to challenges that are related to things like authoritarianism, corruption, political instability. But, uh, but what's your analysis on these elections in terms of democracy or the growth slide, basically? Look, uh, there is no correlation whatsoever between these elections and key elements of democracy. Let me give you four. Yes. Gender representation. Yes. So whether you characterize the country as a democracy, an autocracy, a hybrid system, yes, we can no longer say those countries that are characterized as more democratic necessarily have greater gender or women's representation. That is not true. Yes. Youth representation. We can no longer say that because a country is considered more democratic, Yes. That it has greater youth representation in local government, in parliament, and uh, in public office. Okay. Including the executive. That's not true. Yes. Number three, in terms of economic performance. Yeah. We can no longer say that because the country is styled either a democracy or autocracy or whatever, it is more econo- it's performing better in economically. Uh, it has greater equality and equity. So let me give you examples to be live. Kenya yes. is one of the highest levels of inequality deemed a democracy. Yes. South Africa has high levels of inequality, youth unemployment is deemed a democracy. Yes. If you take on this spectrum, countries that are deemed less democratic, okay. they have the same rate and range of youth unemployment. Yes. And some of them may even have greater representation of women and youth in public office and etc okay number four democracy happens at the local level yes we can no longer say that if you are looking at the binaries that we used to use the regime typology binary yes that uh, if we uh, that governments that are more democratic necessarily have more functional local governments Mm that deliver services to the people. So if you look at public service delivery, yeah, right, and you look at these countries and split them and say this one and that one. Personally, I feel like encouraging young Africans to familiarize themselves on political systems, on things like government structures, uh, issues that face their communities and countries, I find that to be very crucial. But um, in your opinion, how can young Africans be involved in politics to change things and uh, why is there a slide of democracy generally? Well, young Africans have been since uh, the 1950s or 40s been involved in politics throughout all generations. Yes. The difference is that they, when as black people we took over the former colonial states, there was an expectation by young people that we would not shut the door in their face. Yes as the colonialists had done against their grandparents, who then took up arms to fight to liberate themselves. Okay. 
Unfortunately, we locked them out. We didn't just shut the door. We locked them out of the premises of governance. Yeah. So it's not just that they don't want to be familiar with the systems of government. They don't want to be familiar with it. We have locked them out of the systems and only expect them to be seen. Yeah. Not when they are voting for, for some geriatrics or voting for uh, uh, middle-aged, pot-bellied men like myself. Yes. So in essence, two dangers arise. Okay. Young people will either create their own political systems because the moment we're in of the fourth industrial revolution yeah. is that technology, artificial intelligence, social media, uh, and other platforms become new outlets and platforms for organizing, new platforms and outlets for self-identification, yeah. new platforms and outlets for messaging. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these platforms are also prone to interference, prone to, uh, if you like, disinformation and misinformation, yeah. and etc. Okay. I think two actions should happen concurrently. Okay. There must be a political consciousness building amongst young people about the importance of the African state yeah. governance system and the need to reimagine them so that their future fit yeah. and they are relevant to today's need. So that we're not simply saying to them, take the Kenyan parliament as it is and the system, but saying to them, here is what we have and inherited. Yes. Here is how we have changed it. Yeah. Here is your opportunity to reimagine it. Okay. What might it look like when it is presiding over the bulk of a population that spends more time on digital platforms than it does yes. with reality? Okay. But there is also a need of loosening and opening up in the governing generation. Yeah. That means that unlock the door, open it, allow young people to come in and study and intern as fellowship, as fellows, as mentees yeah. within the governance system. Okay. And unless there is a formal program of onboarding young people, America has this, Britain has this. So if you go to their government offices, you will find a lot of young people who are interns, uh, young people who are fellows, young graduates who are learning as a system. Yes. So there as... may be a problem, my brother, that we destroyed the system so there's no longer a system yeah there's no longer a system in place everything happens at the whims of a person yeah so there's nothing to admit the young people to but that's a challenge for you and i and every african (laughs) who wishes to reimagine democracy to yes yes thank you so as we conclude um as the managing director of open society foundation you could basically bring us to terms as to uh, what OSF is doing to converge conversations around democracy all over the world? So we believe, first and foremost, it's not up to the West okay. or the East to lecture yeah. Africa or anyone about democracy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the democracy is in crisis everywhere. Okay. Uh, uh, authoritarianism, populism, sectarianism, narrow nationalism is mm-hmm. flourishing everywhere yes we believe it's an opportune moment to recognize and to bring ways of seeing of doing of knowing from all over there are things that african could keep could teach their western colleagues 
uh, and their Eastern colleagues, there are things that Africans could learn about how to make societies more equitable. Yes. How to make societies more equal. How to make societies deliver yes. uh, services that humanize their own people. Okay. But we are committed to the agency of Africans, uh, both within their own countries and in the global multilateral spaces. Yes. But we see democracy in its national, local context mm-hmm. as that humanizing set of policies and approaches mm-hmm. that defines economies that guarantee equitable outcomes and ecologies that don't decimate indigenous and local populations and biodiversity. Okay. But we also see democracy in its regional form. Interesting. The ability mm-hmm. of African regional economic communities and the African Union yeah. to engage and use their own shared values to ensure that there is a standard of acceptable behavior okay. regarding how you govern. And Africa has these normative frameworks, African Charter on Democracy, Elections and Governance, AU Shared Values, Africa, Human Rights Strategy for Africa, Africa Charter, yeah. people's rights that instead of people uh, coming from outside to give africa values that are not necessarily aligned to what africa has said it wishes to do is to center african agency okay. but we believe that democracy will not succeed and thrive in africa as long as african economies and states are being disemboweled from outside to serve uh, as vassal states for external interests so the ability of Africa yeah. to develop citizenship that's economic, that's political, that's social, yes, and leadership that's able to stand uh, its own within global multilateral systems and to have common African positions is key. Yes. But we see the global dimension of democracy, which is ensuring that the double standards that have characterized international law, that have characterized uh, international justice, that have characterized how we deal with global development, need to be fundamentally redressed. Yes. Starting with the representation of Africa, mm-hmm. equitable representation of Africa in global multilateral spaces, and the reform of those archaic structures, institutions that were established in the 1940s based on the racist notion that the world's interest and direction could only be determined by a handful of countries. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Mr. Brian Kegoro, for creating time to join me for this interview. Thank Uh, you. Yes, thank you so much. That was Mr. Brian Kegoro, Managing Director, Open Society Foundations, reporting for Nation... Reports. My name is Theo Among.